I'm I'm excited to that you're doing this and to be a part of it. I think it's yeah. so important uh, mm-hmm. that we get the word out about the need for men and what mm-hmm. it means to be a man mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. more than ever. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Actually, you know, I forgot to ask, what are your intention? What's your intention? My intention is to compliment yours mm-hmm. and to be present and as authentic as, uh, and to be authentic in the moment and just bring um, what needs to be brought out for the audience and for us so that it's mm-hmm. a mutually beneficial experience. So I guess enjoy the experience mm-hmm. and to align with that purpose that you have and have some fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, no, that would be I think it. it was all about. <laughs> was it with me or you? No, me. Okay. It's definitely with me. Okay, cool. So this is uh, tobacco from Mongolia. Okay. So the way to do it is a stump tobacco. Okay. Uh, you could just put it on your palm or on the back of your hand and you can make a line to that single nostril or both nostrils up to you. So let me let me demonstrate. demonstrate. Okay. Yeah, I'll demonstrate. So I don't usually do a lot. I just do a little bit. It's pretty minty. Okay. You can do it more if you like. And then afterwards, you clean up. And it's about that much. Both nostrils? I only did one, but if you want to do two, you can. I'm just similar to like doing hop, hoppe. Uh, this is much gentler. This is okay. minty. So All right. Super minty. You can smell it a little bit, so you can kind of get a taste. Cool. I've, I love firsts. Mm-hmm. This is my first time doing this. What's the uh, intention typically like when before somebody uh, snuffs the tobacco? What um, for what purpose or oh, why? That's right. For the way Mongolians use it, they use it as an exchange, like a handshake. Almost. Oh. So instead of a handshake, they exchange <laughs> snuff tobacco with each other. Oh wow! And they do this. How cool. Mm-hmm. Does that seem like a good amount? It sounds like a good amount. Yeah. <laughs> Was that a lot that I did? No, it's normal, yeah. Whew. This is very nice. Mm. Um, I can feel the mint. So I, it, it's almost like a um, essential oil. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have a, I had a, a dose of essential oil with the tobacco. Mm. Very nice. So when, when would you, um, or someone who carries this medicine, this tobacco, typically use it when they're not doing uh, a greeting with someone else? Good question. I I don't know actually. I haven't looked into that. I don't wonder. Like uh, rather than have a cup of coffee, for yeah. example, like I, would say I need so. to change my energy, or I had a conversation, had some someone brought some energy I didn't really like, and when that was done, I want to just clear quickly. Well, how do you feel inside? We can, you know. That's that's um, based on how I feel inside. I could see its use in, in that way. I feel uh, more um, energized, more alert. And fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's minty, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. real nice. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So today we have Daniel Hoover with us, and Daniel is a dear, dear friend of mine. Um, he is someone who just walks around with that boyish charm, that that joy to be, that joyful life, uh, with everything that uh, that he does, everyone that he touches. <laughs> Uh, physically and metaphorically, yeah, because he's a doctor. Uh, I remember the time when we first met, we were in the med- uh, meditation uh, ceremony. 
and you were cracking some jokes about um, your relationship with your wife. And, and right away, my other best friend and I, we just look at each other and then we kind of wink at each other like we know that you're one of us. Oh, cool. Yeah, right away. I remember that conversation and something was happening there. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So, um, so welcome. Thanks for being mm. here. Thank you for having me. Mm. So one of the questions I always ask is, what are some of the pivotal moments that happened in your childhood that made you the person that you are, the man that you are today? So that way you can create some relatedness for everyone that's listening. Um, I had a profound experience um, at a young age. I was adopted when I was two years old. Hmm. And so uh, it was a traumatic start to my life. And looking back on the experience from getting away from my birth mother who wasn't fit to raise me, going through a few foster homes and then ultimately ending up with my family who adopted me and I was adopted too, I think it gave me an advantage. Mm. So first my, my family had to deal with me for a couple of years. I had nightmares and things like that. And my, my dad sat me on his lap every day. You know, I'd wake up crying and he sat, sat me on the lap. He's like, this is your, this is the good mommy and point to my mom who adopted me and a picture of my, and this is the bad mommy and helped me, you know, I confused my mom. So it was really kind of crazy there for a minute. Mm. But what that did was show me unconditional love that I was him and my mom. She couldn't say anything to me. She would just have to sit there until I finally, you know, after a year or two, realized she's my mom and she's a good woman. I was scared of her. Yeah, my my mom who adopted me. And then I experienced true, deep, masculine care. Mm-hmm. Like my dad saved my life. I think I would have been messed up. I'd have been, you know, just. Because what ha- the, so I guess that's the short story, right? And um, and and so what I realized. Excuse me one second, please. So to make a long story short, I was adopted at a young age, and just that transition from going from an unfit home to a fit home where I was loved, and not ready for that, and seeing the care from my family and the masculine care from my father, it it, it helped me to um, one experience and feel true love and being wanted but what I realized in recent years is I was forced at a very young age to face my problems and my challenges and growing up someone have a problem and I'd be like why don't you just deal with it (laughs) you know why don't you just handle it oh that's your problem you know problem no problem Mm -hmm. right that kind of concept Mm -hmm. well let's deal with it and it became a habit for me Mm -hmm. and I started to notice other people um, weren't and it took me some time to realize I was so blessed with the opportunity to learn to just face my fears mm. from the beginning. And I think that has helped me move powerfully forward in my life and just, if there's an obstacle, well, how do I deal with this obstacle? So that's interesting because a lot of people, I would say probably most, right? Um, having gone through that experience would say it was traumatizing. And yet you came out of that um, transcended you transcended from that and then you said it was a, one of the best well, I can't remember the exact verbiage that you used I think it was one of the best experience or lessons that you got right can you say a little bit more about that or was there a point where you resented or whatever and then, then you transcended was there a pivotal moment like a switch or has it always been like oh what a blessing 
looking back, I see the how profound of a blessing it was. There was a, a period of time, I think it was when I was five years old, I, I had this dream where Voltron came through and killed the monster in my dreams that was haunting me. <laughs> and ever since then, I was just this happy kid. Like that was the thing, like it was in my dream, Voltron came and, I, and, and leading up to that, for some time my dad was like why don't you use this character and he kept using all these different characters and i guess he didn't realize that voltron was the one but he's like why don't you just have so and so you know the thundercats go kill the monster and just one day in my dream voltron came through to so voltron was your spirit animal i guess so your spirit guide that was my spirit guide man nice. and and then from five on i just remember the most amazing childhood i was just happy and that was just that chapter was closed mm. um, so I think that's the moment mm. and then having my dad growing up and being a uh, he was my coach uh, so I think I started playing basketball when I was six years old and mm. he was my coach and just having my mom being a patient um, loving woman supporting the family mm. and my sister you know um, it's just great mm. it's been great I see, well, I see the drip you're talking about yes so I just, I just swallow it. Uh, whatever you want. Swallow Gargle, swallow, yeah. whatever you need. All right, I think I'm good. Yeah. You good now? Really? Yeah, I'm good. I was just curious about like what to do, but it's not too bad. Not too bad. The mint sure? has uh, descended. <laughs> <laughs> it, be it has begun to drip. <laughs> so are you always this happy kid, this like joyous person, or is cultivated, is learned? <sighs> As far as I remember, I've just been playful. Hmm. And I think that might be partly why I have uh, gotten into the profession I'm in and I've gotten into the different leadership roles I've gotten in because I remember at different periods of my life in middle school and high school and college, recognizing other people weren't genuinely happy. And I'm like, why aren't other people happy? Hmm. And I think, again, I tackled my fears my biggest challenges right so any challenge after that was was small in comparison mm. so how how can I authentically be me and happy and not allow being around other people who are not happy reduce my happiness mm. and at the same time how can I enroll people into happiness mm. and invite them into happiness in a way that's authentic mm. so I've found that I found the way through play. Mm. Beautiful. Ooh, it's clear. It's clear now? Yeah, it's yeah. fun. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> hey, I'm glad we're here. I know we've both been busy going off doing our things. I'm, I'm really uh, enjoying just outside of this being recorded. I'm having some fun. Yeah, this same cool. here. Yeah, yeah, I always, always enjoy our conversations. I always appreciate your presence. Cool. Yeah, you're that source of joy in my life. And you and, and need me a little injection of Daniel Hoover. Sure, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how do you do that? How do you actually help people who, you know, empower them who is not maybe necessarily as joyous, as happy as you were or as you are? I think it starts with being happy myself. I, I love what Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. So in order to help other people be happy, I need to be happy first myself. Mm. So making sure I'm taking care of myself. Mm. So I haven't really thought about this, this is a good question, but I would say it starts with self-care. Mm -hmm. 
making sure I'm taken care of, I'm healthy. You know, if I'm, if I'm getting sick all the time, it's hard to be up and happy. So uh, self-care is a big part of who I am and, and, and how I live my life. Mm. Okay, anything else? Self-care? Um, part of the self-care is carving out time to play. I love to play sports. I, um, I'm, I'm the type of person that when a friend says, hey, let's do this, let's do a podcast, let's do it. Mm. Let's go play basketball. Awesome. And it's, and it's usually just a scheduling thing. Mm. Let's go on a hike to 10,000 feet. Okay, cool. You know, I may not be trained for it, but let, let's do it. Yeah, I remember a few times when we talked about how you went on a hike when a friend asked you to, was it Tibet or something? Nepal. Nepal, right, and then kind of like a last minute thing, right? Kind of. Well, it wasn't so much last minute. I guess I had a, maybe a month or two to prepare, but it was at a time where I was, um, I had my practice and it was only me. Mm. And I was his best man and he wanted to do that for his, um, his bachelor adventure rather than have a, a bachelor party. And as his best man, like, sure, okay, I'll support you with that. But I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? Mm. And I am so grateful because that pushed me to come up with the solution of hiring an associate mm. uh, to do what I do while I'm gone. And she did such a great job and everyone got better while I was gone. It's such a wonderful and humbling experience that, you know, it's not about me. It's about the medicine and this doctor that I, I, I hired that could have been uh, short term while I'm gone or long term. She's, she's still with us today. Yeah, oh, beautiful. Yeah. Mm, what a happy accident. I love happy accidents. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I also remember there were a few times we talked about the Spartan race. Mm. You, you asked me one of the questions, have you trained for it? My answer is no. <laughs> and you said, same here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> best way to do it actually so I'm trained as an engineer uh, as a very analytical person and over the years I've learned to just relax a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more a little mm -hmm. bit more I mean there's a time and a place for preparation of course but it's like the yin and the yang right if you prepare trying to get everything all the ducks in a row before you take any action number one the ducks will never be in a row so you will never take any action or number two if they the ducks will line up in a row one day, miraculously, they will only be in a row for a nanosecond, then it will be mm. off the road again. So there's a balance between um, obviously preparation as well as that spontaneity because life is continuously unfolding, unfolding, unfolding all the time. Um, so I'm curious, like what's your line between preparation and spontaneity? That's a great question. Um, for the past couple of years, I've been using, I call it a mantra of done is better than perfect. Mm -hmm. So that keeps me in action rather than waiting until the plans or the product or whatever it is I'm, I'm manifesting is, is perfect before I put it out. Mm -hmm. And I think it's similar to the idea of um, shoot, then aim. Mm -hmm. If you shoot first, you're not too far off the target and then when you aim, after that, you're going to hit the target. But if you're always aiming, 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 you may not ever fire until you get it just right. And how many unfolding moments passed you by? Mm -hmm. 
So what, what um, specific scenarios would you say that's uh, applicable in life as a man, as a business owner, as a father? Is uh, that ready, instead of ready, aim, shoot, it's uh, shoot, aim, and then ready, something? Yeah, like ready, that. shoot, aim, I guess. Yeah. Um, Contrary to ready, shoot, aim. So doing a video, doing a podcast, like what, what comes to editing, um, social media, updating the website, creating a new page, writing a blog. Um, I wouldn't have produced anything yet mm. if I was waiting for it to be perfect. So it's just, it's good enough. And I had someone else clear it. So I got it to where I think it's pretty good. I'll have someone look at it, clear it, like, okay, there's a couple of edits, and then let's go, you know? Yeah. I'm not uh, known for being um, a major in English or grammar. Right. Although I'm grateful my mom, I'm grateful my mom who is an English teacher so that's good enough. Yeah. But, um, what else? The Spartan race, right? Like, oh, uh, CK, you, you invited me to a Spartan race. I haven't trained. I'm not ready, mm. you know. No, let's go. And, and, and uh, we'll go together. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll pace together. Right. So. Yeah, my, my rule of thumb, my mental model is this. As long as the, if the worst that could happen won't kill me, I'll probably say yes. <laughs> right? If, if any, like, the, the worst outcome is not catastrophic, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, whatever, relationally, hmm. it's not a catastrophic outcome. It's manageable, rather. Hmm. Then I'll probably just like, oh, it's good enough. And keep, I see. keep going. But my tendency, as my analytical training has taught me, is try to, like, be perfect and check you know, triple times, quadruple times, make sure that like, everything is perfect, then I'll take an action. So now I need to play that balance. Mm. Um, going back to, you know, empowering people to feel happier, to feel better. So self-care, mm -hmm. play, is there anything else that you do conscientiously or subconsciously? Um, um, create experiences. So um, I will invite people to experiences that I have found beneficial to me that will either raise my awareness and consciousness, um, raise my mood, and I'll, I'll invite them to either a different meditation circle, to a different game, or a Spartan race. So I, I invite people to the things that, um, that bring fun and joy in my life. Yeah. I mean, that's actually one of the through lines, you know, just your way of being, your MO. It's always that joy, that fun, whether it be sports or any, I mean, literally anything. I mean, people can't help but have a good time around you. Cool. I mean, is that, is that a conscientious thing or is it just like a, you're so used to it by now? This is just what you do. Hmm. This is who you are. I imagine it's a bit of both. And uh, it's nice to hear because it's an intention I set out some years ago. And, and this is the first time I've heard someone actually say that. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, people say, you know, they enjoy being around me, things like that. But I really want um, everyone to be happy. There's a prayer um, that I heard recently, and you may know it too. It was from the 10-day Vipassana mm. meditation. Mm. The, the man who started it, one of his prayers or meditations, he says, may all beings be happy. Mm. And that resonated with me. And I was like, yes, that's what I'm about. But mm. until I heard that, I didn't get it. Mm. Um, yeah. That, yeah. May all beings be happy starting with us. Yes. Right. 
Yes, and not at the expense of our happiness either. Mm. Yeah. You know, a lot of people use the analogy of the airplane, right? When the oxygen mask comes out, do you put it on another person first before you put it on yourself? Yes, that's one of my favorite um, examples. And I'll even say, you know, um, go as far as if there's a baby there and there's a kid there, who do you put it on first? Mm -hmm. You know, you got to put it on you. Even if there's a little baby, you got to. So what are some of your self-care your rituals or disciplines um, your daily weekly monthly quarterly annually what are some of your self-care rituals? well one is definitely to link up with ck oh right, right. Mm-hmm. um exercise daily mm. uh, hygiene is important um cold shower i don't do it every day but uh several times a week mm. to just you know shock my nervous system boost boost my awareness um, tai Chi is a big part of what yeah. I do. Um, I'm a student, I'm a teacher. I find it to be uh, a very profound practice that yeah. teaches me to slow down, and be present, and at the same time I'm, I'm opening up channels and meridians and, yeah. and strengthening my body. Um, taking time to nourish my relationship with my wife. Yeah. You know, if I'm just working on self-care with me, there's also that um, third entity, our relationship, our marriage, right? And so um, I do make sure to really listen and spend time with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so the full integration and acceptance of my marriage, that's mm-hmm. really helped. And then a happy side effect is she encourages more playtime for me. Like, you know, mm-hmm. go play, because mm-hmm. she's good, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, quiet time. I need to have some quiet time to myself. So we actually getting back to the marriage thing. We have an understanding that when I get home or at some point when I get home, I'm going to need to decompress or just have some time to myself just to unwind. Mm. Meditate. Do, do you put like a, you know, a sock in your door or something? So is it, is it as a... I used to have a door, home? but now everything is hers. I see. You know. So how do you uh, get that a long time? How do you signal that a long time? Um, she usually just knows uh, when I get home or she'll check in like hey how much time do you need or if I had okay. a particularly uh, challenging day mm. um, I'll let her know like hey I'm, I might need like 15-20 minutes just to kind of decompress And so you say that you are I'll tell her I'll, I'll let her know I mean that's a beautiful hack right might not say hack or tip or suggestion or an idea because uh, most people assume that the other person knows Versus like a signal, hey, how much time do you need? Or, or I need 15, 20 minutes to decompress. Mm-hmm. These are very explicit terms. Versus like, hey, right away, here's the kid. Go put out the trash, the door needs, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Repair. That's beautiful. Um, I didn't get that right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took me a Guess while. Guess we're doing this podcast. Yeah, I know. I didn't <laughs> Share get with other people. Yes, yes. Um, and then actually, so speaking of the development of that, that uh, happy wife, ha- happy life hack, mm-hmm. I'll call it, is um, there was a challenge where, you know, she didn't feel like she was being listened to. And I wanted to listen to her, but I'm like studying or I'm working at home. And so what I finally figured out and we figured out together is I would just let her know like, hey, I want to listen to you, but I can't listen to you right now. I mean, unless it's urgent. Let me finish this up so you can have 100% of my attention. I, I want to give you 
100% of my attention and I can't be fully present to you right now, is that cool? And, and she got to a point where she was like, yeah, totally. But then it was up to me to come back to her and say, now I'm ready. Mm -hmm. So there was a transition challenge where um, I didn't come back, I'd be done doing my thing and I would either forget or not take the time or consideration to say, oh yeah, what was that you were saying? Mm -hmm. So if I tell her not now or I need to come home and decompress, when those 10 minutes are up or that half hour is up, it's on me to be in integrity around that and say, hey, I'm complete. Mm -hmm. How's your day? What's going on? And mm -hmm. so that's the other part is the follow through. It sounds good, we gotta follow through. Mm -hmm. I love that how you prioritize your wife's happiness as part of your um, happiness sphere of influence, I suppose. It, it um, took me a while to get there. I, I, I thought that I needed to, so it's, it's a little different in a relationship, I, I find. When it's when you're single, it's like, hey, self care, self care all day. Mm -hmm. Now I'm I'm committed to this person, and if she's not happy, that's going to affect my happiness as well. Mm -hmm. uh, granted, I can't make her happy, right? But um, I can help create an environment and listen and help cultivate what it is that she needs, right? Right. And then I get more happy time. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're a couple that bring happiness to other couples and people, or. Um, I had never heard of this hashtag, but there's a hashtag relationship goals. Mm. And I started seeing people hashtag that up on some social media things with us. And I was like, wow. About now, you guys. About us. And oh, so wow. now I, I see great. it's not just me. She and I now are, are um, a partnership that brings happiness to others. Mm. So how do you do that with others? I mean, what I hear is embodiment. Obviously, you're not going on to proselytize, to preach. Right. What it means to be this relationship goal couple. But how do you? How did other people find you to be inspiring? Curious. You know, I was just having a conversation about this with her recently, and and I think, I think, um, it may be because I don't share my beliefs that much with with people. Um, like I don't talk about politics or religion with people, especially in, in larger groups because that might turn people off very quickly. Mm. Uh, not that I'm, I, I feel very strongly, you know, like I'm like hardcore this way or that way. And I realized at some point in my adult life that for me to help more people and to have a broader reach, the less I talk about politics, the less I talk about um, religion or other, let's just say very controversial things, mm. the more people I'll be able to touch. Mm. And, and then, on an intimate level we can talk and then they'll be more open but if I just lead with you know this party or that party or, or, or this religion or this way of thinking or this type of meditation or this jungle medicine mm -hmm. if I lead with that it pushes people away so mm -hmm. I'll just be and then let people get curious about what it is that I do mm -hmm. or find out or get curious about what they do but not impose any beliefs mm -hmm. because I think there's multiple paths and this and, and I think your podcast speaks to it there's multiple paths to being, you know, happy, healthy, human being, man, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually learned that lesson some time ago when I was younger. <clears throat> to me, I was very more um, hard edges about everything, mm -hmm. right? Science is the way, right? Uh, oh, okay, personal development is the way. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I didn't, without realizing it, I became dogmatic to my point of view. Mm -hmm. So things that I found effective for my personal life or relationships 
I started to impose myself and I had to re- only recent years I had to really like check and say oh okay um, people want to be empowered but they don't necessarily want to be told mm-hmm. <laughs> what to do or what's right or what should they do or must do or have to do or whatever um, yeah I mean that's that's the ego right because the ego uh, the human ego like they don't want to be told if, what to do right yeah. so the word that comes to mind uh, is inclusive just being inclusive mm-hmm. and open-minded and um, I can sit in a room with someone who has um, beliefs that I would consider are negative and, and non-inclusive but by being inclusive to this person and hearing their side something starts to open up with them mm-hmm. so one of the thing I want to ask you is I remember the first time we met <clears throat> I wasn't very inclusive right I was uh, the lack of, I mean, it was years ago. You know, I was a little bit more arrogant than I am right now, right? But yet you actually kept engaging with me, engaging with me. And then finally, I'm so glad you did, such that we can have a really you know, great friendship now. So do you, by default, uh, reach out to other people? I don't know. I'm, I have to think about that a little bit. Um, It may be a case-by-case basis, you know. Um, you know, I think we're attracted to different people for different reasons, so I'll explore that, you know. And, and we've met in a, a very unique circle, so it, it, automatically a lot of barriers are, are, are gone mm-hmm. because the type of people who would go to a meditation retreat, um, you know, you can have a different set of conversations with. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point in my life, I don't know if I necessarily reach out to people. I'm really happy with the... Um, the circles that I'm in, mm-hmm. and I'm open to meeting new people. But um, when I'm present with someone else, or I'm in the grocery store, or when I'm out and about or around strangers, I, I, I do make a point. I, I do make an effort to, oh, I know what it is. I know what it is. It's not just happiness that it is that, that I want for people, is to be present. I notice when I'm in public, you know, everyone's on their phones or they're just distracted and I'm sitting here looking around and it's like everyone's just like looking down at their phones. So the person that isn't or, or they happen to look up from their phone and I make eye contact with, that's when it starts. Mm. But I'm not going to take someone out of their rhythm or wherever they are. But if I can connect with somebody and, and they're present, like... It's a moment I'm, of recognition. Yeah. Yeah, I recognize you. Something like that. Yeah. That's really cool. Hmm. Hape? Hape. All right. So happy to hape. Happy to hape. Uh, <laughs> sharper one or gentle one? Um, I'm th- could I smell them? Yeah, of course. Let's see. Ooh. Do you happen to know the name of this one? Is it Yan- Yahweh? Uh, I don't know actually. It's okay. Let's see. <coughs> this is the softer one? This is the softer one. <coughs> um, hmm. What's the delivery method? Is it going to be like a hummingbird or just kind of like well, just gentle? Oh, self. Okay. Yeah, Got so it. So you can do it for your life. Well, I want to do the same. Thank you. I want to do the same one that you're doing, so we're on the same level. Yeah. So Um, I usually follow, since you know how to use it. Okay. All right. That's fair. Right. 
Let me give this. I like this one. This one is really resonating with me. So I guess it is the sharper one. Yeah. All right. Thank you. This is nice here. Hmm? This is this is a nice. Oh, one. I really clean it. Uh, it's just a habit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a habit. Yeah. Uh, cool. Future reference. I'm gonna have like wet wipes and stuff. So, sure. Yeah. Sure. And I gotcha. Do you have your own hape? Mm -hmm. I do, yeah. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, feel free. Go for it. Oh, yeah, I'll split up. Let's see. Oh, yeah, that might be a little much. <laughs> we shall see, huh? Oh, the other way, the other way. Oh, you don't, you put it in this way? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll I'll do it that way. Wait, wait, hold on a second. Got it. Okay. Cuz, you know, that's the this is how it would go for if we were serving. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is will be go right there. Thank you. I don't serve myself much. So, I might Yeah. I have a self-serve one, but I don't do it that much on um Does that seem like a good amount or should yeah. I go a little more? It's up to you. Fine, so Pressure, season, pressure me. Your season Jeez, traveling. Jeez, man. Season Why are you traveling? pressuring me like this? <laughs> you're a season okay. traveler. So remember your intention? Yes. Give you a little space. You know, sometimes powder starts flying all over the place. I don't cry much as a man. I know how good it is for me to cry. Rare is there an opportunity for me to cry. And I welcome it. One thing that I really like about Hoppe is it makes me cry every time. <laughs> I haven't heard it described as sharp, um, and I do agree. <laughs> <clears throat> There's one way. <laughs>
I see. So you measure it that way. You pull it, you pull it out with the tube to measure it, and then you dump it. Is that way you do it? Cool. Because I don't self-administer much, so that's good for me to learn. do you self-administer and how do you come to why or when you're like you know what? I'm gonna have some hot pay right now are you ready to start yeah did you stop it no oh yeah I'm, it's all it's all um, live with me yeah it's all good yeah okay. we're good right. so it's a marker um, so your question was how often do I do it um, yeah how often do you typically self-administer hot pay yeah. and, and 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 how or why do you come to know when yeah. oh I, you know I'm gonna have some hot pay yeah so I heard this phrase um, from this Chinese doctor Chinese medicine doctor mm. he said use hot pay to potentiate what's happening mm. and for me I do it more for a spiritual reason okay. I was saying um, um, it's a form of adversity self-applied adversity right it's similar to how some people do meditation for like two hours at a time, mm-hmm. in spite of how uncomfortable it may be, or um, the Spartan race or CrossFit, things like that. The effect is very similar to me. The reason is, I essentially overwhelm the, the body with this very intense physicality sensation. And then I get a little bit of quiet. Mm. And then I use that quiet for meditation purposes, as an example. Hmm. Right. Right now I'm feeling a little woozy. Right. It's very similar to that CrossFit at the end of the CrossFit, yeah. my body's bent. Mm. So, uh, and it's purely physical. Right. So I use that moment of silence to turn down the volume or chatter of the noise in my head, such that I can hear the whisper of insight or epiphany or whatever it may be. And hopefully, right, in the process, I can um, really discern what is the next action steps that I can take towards my purpose in life. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. So just a follow-up question. Um, how do you determine whether or not you uh, want to use Hape for meditation? Do you use it every time? Or if maybe you're not... And I'm asking for myself too. I'm learning from yeah, you yeah, sure. uh, because my my relationship with Hape is developing, and I had a resistance to uh, Hape, yeah. but in different um, meditations, it would be offered, and you know, it's warrior medicine, so I'm in. Yeah. But now I'm more comfortable self-administering, yeah. or or um, even at home, my wife and I we we uh, will partake, and I'm just uh, it's a new relationship for me, so. Yeah. Um, every t- like, I really want to go deep in meditation. Would that be a time or a particularly challenging day? You're wet. You're you're all in your head. Yeah, I use it to quiet my mind okay. um, for meditation purposes. I 
Not every day, but often when I meditate. Okay. It's a hobby. So actually, on that note, <clears throat> thank you. Let's talk about uh, adversity a little bit because mm. this is is a perfect segue to adversity. Sure. You know, um, my morning ritual is this: I hop into a sauna, then I um, do a little bit of uh, movement, so then I get my body. Then after that, I then meditate. Oftentimes with hape. Okay. Right. All of it is physical intensity, and then in the end of that, I do a cold shower. So as a way to really push that physical envelope of that discomfort. And none of it is pleasant, by the way. I don't like it. I get it. I get that. I don't that. like sauna. I don't like to sweat. I don't like to sit <laughs> a long, a long t- you know, for a long time. I mean, <clears throat> naturally, I fidget, right? That there's an unease that I feel in my body. But precisely for that reason, I, I like to face it head on. So it's self-imposed adversity rather than when life throw a hammer at me <clears throat> and it's externally imposed. To yeah. Me, right. So this is a way for me to really cultivate that inner stillness. And CrossFit, same thing. I don't like. I never like exercise. I don't like. People think that I'm fit. I must exercise a lot. I must love it. I must love the Spartan race. Every single time, if you know how sometimes they take pictures of you, yeah, the oh, journey, yes, yes. So I remember this one time I was racing a five k, and they took I saw every, from mile like the first four hundred meter to the end of the race, every single picture. I'm like have it this grimace on my face. It's not smiling. I'm not enjoying the process. It's just like a struggle the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's. That's why I do it. Okay. <laughs> Not from the perspective of like a masochist, but just I wanted to really push my own comfort zone. I get that. So how do you how do you manage a relationship with adversity or self-imposed or externally imposed adversity? I've found that the greatest growth I've had in my life was when I've had the most. Um, uh, adversity or, mm-hmm. or discomfort mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, a few years ago I got um, invited uh, peer pressured I mean into <laughs> <laughs> um, training for a triathlon mm. and that's where I really got the importance of embracing discomfort mm. so uh, I never did any endurance exercises, and just like you described, it's uncomfortable. I'm I'm in pain or some extreme discomfort throughout the whole time, on the bike, during the swim, during the run. But what I found was is that calm afterwards, and I was continually getting PRs or personal records, Mm -hmm. and I kept improving and getting faster. And in that, I also noticed there was a parallel process in my development in my business. The year I started training for uh, for some triathlons is the year my business doubled, mm. and so I was like, "Well, I'm gonna keep running. <laughs> I'm gonna keep." So, um, learning to embrace discomfort has um, really allowed me to grow as as a person in, in, in many dimensions. Mm. So, I similarly am looking for more opportunities to get discomfort in a therapeutic way. Mm. Uh, one of our recent conversation about stoicism. I've been thinking about and I've been reading some books around that, listening to some uh, things about stoicism, and I get that it's okay and it's needed 
Mm-hmm. You know, in order to grow, you, I mean, like to work out, I mean, to, to grow muscle, you have to get uncomfortable, you have to feel the burn. If you don't get to the point of feeling the burn, you're not breaking down the muscle. Right. So I love it. This year, I created a um, intention of you love. It was it. Um, I love growing. I love improving. And just a side note: when I talk about self improvement, sometimes people say you are whole and complete how you are. Right. I agree, and I'm gonna, you know, cultivate that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not coming from a place of deficit. But I just feel my best when I'm in a place of growth and wonder and, and, um, and then it inspires other people and I can be a more effective human being. Mm. Yeah, it's strange, you know. Most of my life I resisted and avoided pain and discomfort. You did? Yeah, mm. yeah. Except for sports. Like I knew because I loved playing sports preseason and the training, I had to do that because I like the game and I love team sports. So, you know, there's some discomfort with that, but um, now I'm looking for more opportunities. So uh, this past year I was trained, I didn't have any triathlons I, uh, that, I, that I did. I didn't sign up for any of this this year. I have a couple next year, but I still trained and it was not just to stay fit because I do a lot of things to stay fit. I'll do the triathlon things to cultivate my my grit. Mm. Yeah, I love that. So, I'm very much on the same way, hence why we connect so well yeah. as, as friends. Um, but there's a balance, right, between mm-hmm. this addiction to improvement versus, uh, what's another word I'm looking for? Surrender? Yeah, surrender, like home complete. Oh, okay. Right? So the yin and yang again. Yeah. How do you find that line? Because it's easy to continue to push, 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 push the mind over body, right? I tell my body what to do. My body doesn't tell me what to do. Like very much intentionality, the masculine, the yang way of doing things. Yeah. Push, 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 push. How do you have a very healthy harmony relationship with um, this dance between the surrender, like whole and complete, as well as, you know, this is my will, this shall be. I think, and more specifically on the physicality, giving okay. this is you know your expertise, right? Okay, I think it, it it's about being conscious about it and knowing um, my why. So one of the challenges I have, and this, this shows up with patients um, who, so what happens a lot of times with patients come in because they have an injury and and their main goal is they want to get back to working out and they'll start to feel better quickly because the healing's taking place and then they'll go work out. Um, really hard because they're feeling well like the weekend warrior mentality mm-hmm. and so I get you know being all in and, and just work out but if the goal is to continue to get stronger and more flexible and more healthy taking a step back and, and, and thinking about keeping in mind the tortoise and the hare right mm-hmm. um, there's, there's a saying my friend who coached me in the triathlon is um, slow is fast you know, um, slow incremental gains. I am realizing I don't need to have a big, strong workout two or three times a week. I'm just gonna injure myself, my ligaments, my tendons. Let me, if I truly am into this, how can I be congruent around it? And it's really to have a strategy and a plan. Mm. I love seeing the pictures of someone from 
five years ago and then now um, it's five years later and looking at the transformation in their body. Mm. When you see the 30 day or the 60 day or even a year, you see a change, but the ones where they compare a few years or several years, that's what gets me interested. Mm. When I see the people who are older adults, 60, 70 years old, and they didn't start working out until they're 50 or 60, and they're ripped, that's inspiring to me. Mm. So I, I think it's knowing and trusting what we're capable of and having um, long, sustained, incremental gains. Uh, consistency. I mean, that's pretty much the secret to life, right? A lot of people, the ego, the yang, the intentionality wants instant yes. gratification, want it now. I want to lose 25 pounds 30 days from now. Right. It's possible, but is it sustainable? Questionable. Right? Yeah. And a lot of the people, let's say, you know, who joined the Biggest Loser program, they mm-hmm. lost the challenge. Chances are, after the show's over, it comes back. <clears throat> so, I guess a, another way to answer it is, I want to stay in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I do everything I can to prevent injury. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I'm going to do what I can to prevent injury. Kind of like how you said, how you decide whether or not to do something as long as it's not a big injury. You're interested in it. So as long as I'm not going to injure myself, I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to... Um, so the Spartan race, we didn't train for the Spartan race and we did it. And I allowed myself to do that knowing that I, I had an agreement with myself. I'm going to pace myself. I don't have anything to prove. And maybe that has something to do with it. I don't have anything to prove. Um, we're all in our own lane you know, on, on the freeway of life. Mm-hmm. Someone might go flying past you, that's their path. They might have been working on something a long time, have a lot of momentum. So just trusting my, my process, comparing my progress with myself, I think helps me not try to um, go too fast. Mm. Yeah, this is also one of the reasons why I love the concept of CrossFit, but when I did it, I got injured quite a bit. Because my mind would just say, push, 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 push. You don't want to be last. You don't want to let this mm-hmm. someone who's older than you, whatever, you know, lift more weight than you do. And that was my mentality, hence why I got hurt. And it's also interesting <clears throat> when I see trainers basically just muscle it with everything they do instead of just like, hey, how do you breathe properly? How do you make sure that you don't injure yourself, etc. And it they're pretty cavalier about how they train their clients. That's when I know to my to me that okay, this trainer is probably not for me. Right. Because if you're a cavalier about your own body, how are you going to make sure that I don't injure myself? So uh, recently, <clears throat> I'm quite interested in Tai Chi. So before going to the specifics of Tai Chi, I'm curious, given that once again this is your profession, right? Your you're a doctor, your, your, your responsibility, what you sign up for is to make sure that people are, are well. Um, they, they live a, a, curious to know your perspective. Do you um, train them to live an optimal lifestyle or a maximum lifestyle? Because maximum is not necessarily optimum. I meet them where they are. Mm. And I address the thing that's most present to them. So a lot of times they'll be in a lot of pain. So by helping them get out of pain and into balance, um, then they will be more open to some other things. And they might say, well, what else do you have to offer, Doc? Um, 
or they will trust me more and then they'll be open to, okay, well, what's the next level? And then I'll take them there. But I don't have a goal to get, you know, just meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. And if they want more, cool. They might just be happy with where they are. I just want to be in pain and I just want to continue to watch Netflix and chill. You know, and it's not for me to impose optimal healthy lifestyle. But for those who are interested, mm. I want to maximize. I want to uh, be, um, I want my human performance to be at the next level. Then, then we'll have that conversation. Okay. So following that thought, <clears throat> people who are listening to this, chances are they want to have that maximum, well, not maximum, optimum lifestyle, optimum performance, right? What they can get out of the body. What are some of the tactical things you recommend for them to kind of start looking at some building blocks? Um, <clears throat> first, I just want to say related to that fine line and it relates to this is it, keep in mind it's a, it's a science and it's an art. Mm -hmm. And the art is finding that balance uh, on how much to push, how much to pull back. Mm -hmm. And so I think we need to have some objective measures on, on, on how to approach those building blocks. And then also know our unique differences and, um, and strengths on how to move forward. So um, <clears throat> building blocks to, to optimize. Um, I have a, in my... You want to grab it? Yeah. yeah. Let, me, let me see what those are. One second. So recently, I experienced uh, a lot of changes in my in my business and my personal life, and I realized in order to take my business and my family to the next level, um, I needed to take care of me. I need self care. So I, I took on a, uh, a a project, an experiment on uh, I called it Hoover 2.0, mm. how to optimize myself. So these are the things that I wrote down for me that I wanted to start uh, doing to to find that ideal balance that would also um, take help me take me to the next level so I have that mental clarity. I knew I had to train my body so I have a clear mind. So these are the categories I came up with. <clears throat> Training, diet, reading, human performance. So some of these are like um, lab work and stuff. I'll, and I know you know about this. I'll talk to you about it. Um, spiritual maintenance. There's a play category, home, nourishing home, and family. Those are the categories I came up with. So <clears throat> for training, I, I um, am focusing on core, strength, cardio, flexibility, martial arts, and a new skill. Mm. Uh, training as in physical training. Physical training, yes. And um, I put massage in there too because mm. I need to um, heal. So diet, uh, increase the water. Well, I don't want to just go through like the whole list. I mean, I can, but maybe I could talk about why, or you tell me what's most interesting. But I knew um, a lot of us are dehydrated, so making sure I had enough water. And wow, that's that's really interesting. I put no sugar. I just started a no sugar discipline uh, twelve days ago, mm. um, and uh, so I finally just got around to that. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> Reading, you know, business, personal development, some of the things that interest me. For human performance, I put cleansing. Cleansing is important. 
Um, we are, what I found is a lot of us um, as, as, how to say, um, there are a lot of us that work on self-improvement and I'm finding it's not enough to okay. really get the results we want. And I think part of the reason is we are in a much more stressful environment, a much more toxic environment than our ancestors. So simply just, you know, working out every day without a plan, eating relatively healthy or avoiding um, junk food isn't enough because even the health food has sugar and all these, you know, GMOs in it. So we have to be even more conscious about what we're putting in our body. And so much so that it might look like, oh, you're a health freak. Mm. But so what? Um, self-care, so chiropractic, uh, keeping the nervous system on point, acupuncture, meditation. There's some of these things in here I'm sure you do or you're interested in. So floating, I want to make sure I do some floats. Hyperbaric chamber, I've been experimenting with stem cell injections. Spiritual practice, there's, there's a lot of things to do with that, like meditation. Um, I find there's some master plants that are um, so powerful as, as um, providing guidance and clarity. Mm. Play, you, you can add whatever you want to your playlist. Mm. I have volleyball, surfing, paddleboarding, the beach, goes on and on. And keeping the home clean and... and, and, and uh, like gardening, you know, there's a, <clears throat> one of my philosophy teachers says, uh, how does he say it? Something to the effect of don't try to change the world until you have really, you know, mastered your own garden, mm. you know, um, get your own, that's what, get your own home in order first before you try to start telling other people. Right. So I'm really working on getting my home in order. Mm. And those are the main categories that I'm, I'm not hitting these at a hundred percent. I'm not hitting all of these, but that's the direction. So I would say, just to recap my long-winded answer, train the body. Mm. Be mindful of the diet. Read. And that's self-programming. And, and podcasts, too, right? So what you're putting in. Um, so you want to think well. Um, what are ways you can hack your body? That's really what the human performance section is. I do think chiropractic is an important one. Mm. And uh, everyone needs to have their spine checked. Mm. It, your nervous system is your master control of your body. See, I'm all about that, actually, because this so, is an area that I don't understand very much. Actually, not at all. Okay, so, so <clears throat> I didn't find chiropractic until I was an adult. And then once I, I learned about it, this was even before I decided to go into the profession, um, I, I got it. And, and what it is is so the brain and, and the spinal cord is the central nervous system, and, and we often call it the master control of the body controller of the body because it controls every function, right? Your heartbeat, your organs, your muscles, down to every single cell. Nothing occurs in the body without a nerve impulse first. Mm -hmm. So if we have any nerve interference coming from our spinal cord out, anything downstream from that nerve, let's say you're um, in your thoracic spine, your mid-back, um, there is some impingement in the vertebrae or nerve interference, and that nerve goes to your lungs. Uh, would you rather have, let's say, 80% of your nerve conducting, uh, communicating to your lung and back to your brain and back, or 100%? So that's really the concept. Mm. I want every part of my body to get 100% of the nerve communication live. Mm. And that's what chiropractic is about. Most people think about, oh, I've got back pain, adjust my back, and that'll relieve the muscles and the sciatic pain. But why? 
the nerve coming out of the low back goes to the muscles in the low back. So you, re you release the interference on the nerve, that muscle is going to relax. You don't even have to stretch the nerve or the, mm. the muscle. Mm -hmm. And then the sciatic pain goes away, uh, assuming that's the cause. Right. So that's the concept. Mm. Mm. So often should they have their spines checked? Actually, I've, I've heard this before. Uh, someone, I can't remember exactly, I don't think it was a chiropractor, she said that if you have your posterior chain, which I'm assuming is the, the spine, right? Uh, similar, the posterior chain refers to the, um, the fascia, the myofascial chain or, or the muscles that, if you imagine all the muscles in the back side of your body are somehow connected and they are through fascia, mm. they're like your postural muscles on the back side of your body. Gotcha. Which all are controlled right. by the spine or right. the nerves coming out of the spine. Mm. So how often should they have their spines checked? This is this would be a great example as to that there's a science and an art to it. Mm. So each person is different. If you've got someone who's more sedentary, mm. uh, or you've got uh, Which is high performance, pretty much everyone right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or maybe your audience, you've got some high performance athletes, or someone who's wanting to really um, push their bodies, um, or you got people who are more sedentary and they meditate a lot, and they're in your audience as well. It'll totally depend. Mm. Um, what I'll tell you is if there's nothing to be corrected, like, you know, or you got through corrective care because of some old injuries, mm. most of our patients come either once a month, twice a month, or once a week, depending mm. on their needs mm. for, mm. for like tune-up. Is there a quick check? Like, hey, if I can't touch my toes, whatever, right? well, if I can't do a, a wheel, right, yoga pose wheel, then I better check it right away because of the uh, mobility or whatever of my spine. It's injury prone. Is there a, a, a kind of like a quick check about one's spinal health? <clears throat> yeah. Um, one is uh, pain that comes and goes. Mm. It's not normal, right? It's common. So that might be a reason why. Like it's not healing as fast as it normally does. So you've got an um, injury in your shoulder and just not healing properly. Like, well, why? Who's communicating to the shoulder about the healing and the blood flow? That might be one. Another simple one would be range of motion. Uh, a simple one would be you turn your head as far as you can to the left or right and you ideally normal range of motion would be your chin is um, lining up with your shoulder right if you can't get your chin all the way to your shoulder both sides there's some restriction there mm -hmm. it may be coming from the spine it may not be mm -hmm. um, so there's there's musculoskeletal reasons but I think um, really when when children um, babies, you know, um, being born is traumatic and, you know, they yank on the head and that's when they're developing. So just, just a quick check and kids don't need adjustments that often. It's the adults because we just hammer our body through life. We fall, we get up, we go, we fall, car accident, get up and go. And so there's a lot of accumulate, uh, accumulated damage. Mm. How much do you feel that uh, one's mental performance to one's spine health, to one's emotional health, to one's spiritual fitness? Actually, I'm using fitness and health interchangeably. Okay. Or, you know, let's, let me actually rephrase it. How much do you think of our spine fitness to skeletal fitness, to, to muscular fitness, to emotional fitness, to mental fitness? How much do you think it's uh, relevant or correlated? How much do I think all of those are correlated? Well, spine. Oh, I, I start else. with the spine. I, start I, with I, the spine. I, I start with the spine. 
However, let me say, I think that most, many of the diseases in the body or diseases in the body come from a uh, mental, emotional, or spiritual uh, cause. Mm. You know, if I'm feeling depressed, I'm going to slouch. I'm going to carry myself in such a way, and then that's going to pull on my body, and then I'm going to have poor posture. So they're totally interrelated. Mm. But um, the reason why I start with the spine is it's simple. It does, it, it's very simple to adjust the spine and get it back. And um, there are emotions that can be held in the nervous system. And sometimes there, people will have a release emotionally when they get adjusted. Mm -hmm. I've seen grown men cry after their, their uh, cervical spine was adjusted, but not because of pain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just suddenly something was released. It's a cathartic experience. Yes, it can be. Um, and then, so just make sure the nervous system's on point. And then we want to challenge the body so it grows. So whatever aerobic and strength fit, um, sh aerobic and strengthening type of fitness is important. If you don't use it, you lose it. It's very important. Um, mental fitness. All of them are important. Of course. They are all part of the whole, right? Yeah, of course. So um, I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you did. You're saying that they're all correlated. Definitely. Right, they're all part of the system. It's not um, compartmentalized. No. Because a lot of people say, oh, my spine's fine. I don't feel any pain. Oh, really? Well, what about your range of motion? What about, you know, when I touch here, it's very, very sensitive, etc., etc. I mean, oftentimes when we do our meditation retreats, we could see that uh, a lot of pain one feels is psychosomatic. And you can uh, um, address it from the mental perspective. You can address it from the muscular perspective. You can address it from the skeletal perspective. Sometimes even the spiritual perspective, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, this is what I found over the years that uh, all the system is so important uh, because I, I say this. <clears throat> In my younger years, I just cared a lot about my mental performance. I was basically a stick, you know, with a walking head. Right? <laughs> Uh, then I started to notice, okay, so the skeletal is super important too. So it's not just for looking good, but it correlates nicely with uh, this capacity that I'm building. Yeah. So, Sananga, you have a gentle Sananga or more intense Sananga? I think the last time you did it with me, we did it this one. This is the more intense one that Inting has. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's do that one. Let's do that one. Okay, great. Yeah. So, since you're a seasoned traveler, I'll let you okay. do yourself. Or do you want me to do it for you? I would prefer. Okay. I mean, just because I could do it myself, sure. I don't think it would be the best. Yeah, sure. Of course. So, okay. lean your head back as much as possible. So Are you going to be able to reach over? Yeah, so that way you can. It's, uh, I know, put in the wells of your eyes. Mm -hmm. Oops. Hey, how many drops are you going to do? <laughs> Alright, you ready? Yeah. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm cool. I'm blinking.
Where'd you go? (laughs) (laughs) So tell me a little, when you're ready, about your relationship with Sananga. What do you get out of it? Same thing. Yeah. Just sheer pain. (laughs) (laughs) Questioning my choices in life. Where else in my life do I impose pain on myself? Knowingly or unknowingly. This is this got to seem crazy to a lot of people, you know? Yeah. People think that I like it. I don't like it. Right. But I'm into this. I'm a masochist. I don't like it. It's not. It's not fun. But it's what you get on the other side of it? Yeah, exactly. What do you notice about, oh, are we doing that too? I heard a sniff. Were you doing snuff? No. Oh. (laughs) What do you notice in the process of the discomfort? What do you learn about yourself? Over the years, I realized that I'm addicted. Actually, no. Let me back up. Over the years, I realized our default... um, way of being mm-hmm. our default way of feeling mood it's our favorite mood wait I, I didn't get that our sure. default way uh-huh. of being my, is my default mood uh-huh. is my favorite mood because I get a payoff from that okay right okay so my default mood is not joyous not grateful my default mood is looking at the gap mm of what I don't have yet mm. right and it doesn't really serve me at all I'm actually not really at all yeah, I realize that even when things like Sananga it's super painful it's just another reminder how this way of being is harming myself harming the people around me it is actually ripping uh, my uh, my the, the joy that's available to me at any given time. Hmm. So, one of the beautiful one second. One of the beautiful uh, learnings from doing all these podcast interviews, actually, is from Paul's interview. He said that our default way of reacting to pain is. Mm-hmm. Closing up, we have that you know default defensive mechanism. But precisely when when things come up, the unnatural way is to open your heart. And on the other side of opening your heart is the payoff so much deeper and more sustainable, versus the immediate payoff of closing your heart, that defense mechanism. Does that make sense, by the way? It does. Um, I'm reminded of that concept with uh, Tai Chi and martial arts is, you know, our default when someone's coming at you is to step away and, and, and uh, push them away, whereas it's counterintuitive to embrace the opponent. And when you embrace the opponent and become one with them, the, they almost disappear. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of intuitive. Mm-hmm. 
So this is a way for me to kind of train myself to not to tense up, just relax. It's okay. This is safe, right? Um, yeah. Okay. It's a way to do it. So I'm actually very curious about Tai Chi now. Okay. Yeah. I learned. And this is another thing. <laughs> learning from these uh, doing these podcasts. So one of the guests, uh, Ben. He said he does the, this energetic hygiene. Mm-hmm. That's that's his mental model, hygiene. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he meditates, he imagines there's an energy from above coming through him. There's an energy from below coming through him. The yin and the yang. And he move it throughout his body as a way to cleanse his vessel, his physical body. I was like, oh, I really like that. So Tai Chi to me is a way to not just the physical side of things, but also energetically, spiritually, I'm able to move the energy in my head. Um, so, I mean, what got you interested in Tai Chi? Uh, I found Tai Chi because uh, I, I practiced martial arts and Tai Chi, or Tai Chi Chuan is a martial art, so someone invited me knowing I'm a martial artist. But what kept me was finding the profound treasures that lie within Tai Chi. And that is, uh, you know, the moving meditation that less is more. Um, it, it brings so much harmony in my life. It's how I found and met my wife, um, how I built a community around, around me. Um, you know, um, there's a saying when you practice push hands with another person with Tai Chi, the one who's softest wins. And that's counterintuitive. Someone's coming powerfully at you, you know, and you come powerfully in muscle to muscle. It's like fighting fire with fire. But if you just uh, embrace whatever is happening in the moment and allow it and then move it, you're unstoppable. There's so many layers to it. Uh, give and receive throughout the whole form you um, you push and then you give or you you give and you receive you push you pull and but if you pull too much you lose your root if you push too much you become uh, vulnerable it, it's a very objective and subject subjective way to practice the universal principles of yin and yang mm-hmm. and balance Plus, there's so many, so many um, layers to the health benefits. Hmm. What are some of the health benefits? Psychological benefits, aerobic benefits. Without it being an aerobic stressor, it uh, is a very safe um, weight-bearing exercise that increases um, bone dent- density and strength. It calms the nervous system. Uh, you know. A lot of our lives here in the West is spent in the sympathetic nervous system state where our body is under, feels like it's under attack. Mm-hmm. And then parasympathetic is when it, they say, rests and digests, grows and heals. It takes you there. And in a moment, in just a few breaths, you can totally shift your physiology, reprogram your body, your mind, your posture. You know, by practicing Tai Chi, your posture improves. Mm. Yeah. So what were someone who's interested, like I am, mm-hmm. to learn Tai Chi? Is there a, a book you recommend? Is there a video course? 
Is there a website? Is there a podcast? Is there a... My best recommendation is to jump into a class near you. Um, it is an experiential type of practice. Mm-hmm. I discourage people uh, trying to learn from uh, video series. Really? I've, I've actually got one. I've got a DVD series. Currently, it's at about 300,000 views on YouTube. And I tell people not to watch it. <laughs> do a class and then... And you then mean your own? My own one. Yeah, <laughs> my own. You tell people yeah, not tell to watch it. Yeah, don't watch it. Learn in a class and then use the, uh, the video to help you with memorization I or see. to point out some of the, the nuances. But you just got to jump in. You got to just jump in. You can read about it and there's a lot of great philosophy and, and things and I think that's great. Um, but join a class. One of the easiest ways to find a class is on Meetup. You know, there's all classes all over. Um, you are invited and welcome to come to our class on Sunday. Yeah, we have. Uh, I'll be there. Yeah, perfect. Nine thirty a.m. and it's it's the largest uh, free community Tai Chi class that I know of in in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got about sixty students there any given Sunday, and I think the reason why it's so popular is. It's all about the fundamentals. So it's a Tai Chi for beginners class. And we can get into the advanced stuff, but it doesn't really matter if you don't have the fundamentals. And what's the difference between beginner and advanced? Do I get to break rocks with my bare hands once I get to advanced? Or? Well, there's degrees of advanced. <laughs> so actually breaking the rocks with just your mind, uh-huh. just a look, it'll just get, it'll disappear. Wow, this is like fantasy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. No, no, I'm joking with you. I'm joking with you. Um, so uh, it would be experience. So the distinction I make between beginner and intermediate is that you've memorized the form, whatever the form is. We do so there's something kind of kata? It's like a kata, yeah. yeah. And then once you have that memorized, then the real work can begin. You get benefit from just going through the motions mm-hmm. and moving slowly, but once you have memorized most of the form or there's... A, sections that you remember then that's when you can go deep and start to refine uh, imagine doing some movements uh, with a, a straight spine relaxed shoulders and you're moving slowly so slow that it's almost uncomfortable but you can surrender to that slow movement mm-hmm. and then you have an instructor say okay that looks good keep doing that pattern left and right now relax even more mm-hmm. imagine all the tissues around your bones are just getting softer Feel the energy flow through your hands as you keep doing that movement pattern and you're not having to remember, is it like this or like that? Mm-hmm. So as we get the muscle memory more ingrained, you can work on the energy work. Like the gentleman you said in the podcast who does his energetic hygiene, mm-hmm. Tai Chi is a great way to do energetic hygiene and that's my primary way of, of doing my energetic hygiene. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So what kind of benefits do you see in some, in terms of, again, I'm using the word interchangeably, uh, health, hygiene, fitness. Okay. Right. So, what kind of benefits do you get once you're more energetically fit? Well, in my experience, mm-hmm. less reactive. Mm. There's a calm in the gap in the gap or the space between the stimulus and how you respond. Mm. So you get into less trouble that way. Mm. Um, we repeat the question. What kind of benefits do you get? Well, what or what do you see externally once you are more energetically fit? Less illness. The people mm-hmm. I know who who are energetically fit, 
rarely get colds and flus, if at all. Mm. If and when they do, they they um, recover so quickly. They just sweat it out overnight, mm. and then they're fine. Mm. Um, more mental clarity, more endurance, more peace. To give you an idea with the energetic fitness, what I find, a lot of people will come and ask, hey, what herb do you have for more energy? Or what can you do? Give me some acupuncture for more energy. And I could sell people a lot of herbs, but again, or sell them my DVD, but I say, nope, I'm not. We're just, you're wasting a lot of energy, right? Mm. So we are just wasting so much energy. If, if you start to maintain your energy, then you don't need more. You don't need mm. the caffeine. You don't need the stimulants. It's all there already. Mm. So finding the leaks or maintaining them and then you're good, you know, and our body has everything it needs. It knows what to do with the energy. We're just wasting it by being caught up in our heads or being, you know, caught up in our bodies. We're not moving. So, you know, a lot of people ask me like, hey, what's what's your best biohack or your best relationship hack or your best productivity hack? And I've tried them all, right? I've experimented with all of them. <clears throat> Ultimately, as you said, you know, to plug it, to plug up the leaks, mm. to see where you're wasting energy, to see where you're wasting mental energy, physical energy, emotional energy, spiritual energy, really. Yeah. You know, to let go of the things that don't serve you is, to me, the most efficient <laughs> <laughs> way of uh, increased performance. Yeah. You know, when you're holding on to the past or worrying about the future not being present in this moment, if you feel let go of those things, that is the biggest hack. <laughs> and a happy side effect, yeah. when you've got that energy for the men listening, increased libido. Mm. So, okay, so now that we're there, <laughs> what other things or ways, once again, since you're a doctor, I'm, okay. you know, what kind of ways are there ways to increase one's sex drive, libido? Hmm. I would say begin by letting go of porn. Mm. I find one of the most common things men, um, if it's not a physiological thing, why they aren't able to be up and hard is they're in their mind, they're caught in their mind, they're too stressed out and things like that. And then also when it comes to porn, with a lot of the men I know, it gives a false sense of reality they're objectifying women and then when they're with the woman that they really want to be with there's what's real what's 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 fake and there's just a disconnect mm. and you know sexual energy is something that flows and and I think that porn is disharmonious mm. um, I don't think it's a bad thing I, per se I don't think it's you know I just think it's overused mm. and so um, that's one part the other part is they're wasting a lot of their sexual energy by ejaculating you know so um, more often so preserve your semen uh, masturbate less focus on your energy internally and there are some techniques and hacks on how you can actually orgasm without ejaculating mm. um, you may have heard of the million dollar point there's a pressure point between your anus and your balls or your scrotum some call it the tank some call it the raphe 
and the vast deference there's a tube that goes through and if you just pinch that with your fingers at the time of orgasm uh, the um, semen won't come out and um, then you'll reabsorb that energy hmm. um, there's a lot of essence in traditional Chinese medicine a lot of our essence and chi is stored uh, inside and inside of our sperm and semen and then we lose it over and over again why do you why do you guys just pass out after they ejaculate so preserving that um, Again, I'm just kind of want to plug up the leaks. Uh, another thing would be to there's herbs. I guess I could, I, but I, I'm still hesitant. I, I, so I, for the audience, I have a master's degree in Western herbology, a master's in Eastern herbology. I'm a big time er, um, herbalist, and I love herbs. But I find more and more that's not the answer, and people are coming to herbs uh, like they come to medications and drugs. Just treat the symptom. What? herb do you have for libido that's the, that's the western philosophy yeah it's the western philosophy right. give me, in, give me, give me the pill yeah. yeah I think it's, it's, it's the work that you're doing the people you're interviewing the things they're up to that's going to give you the most uh, energy work out libido is going to go up eat more uh, clean food you're going to have more energy you know um, become present uh, increasing your your body awareness through practices like tai chi yoga, you'll be more sensitive, you'll know how to move the energy. Uh, what I found personally is finding a practice that gets you out of your head where you're not thinking so much so you can be in the present moment and present with whomever and the energy and the blood flow will flow and be there when you need it and when you want it. Mm. So actually I was talking to Paul, you know, our, our previous uh, guest, and his technique is to find things that really excites him such that he doesn't need to release his energy in the in porn or whatever mm -hmm. masturbation or whatever yeah. he just he's just so alive you know he yeah. found business really intriguing acting really intriguing flying planes really intriguing talking to people really intriguing so he's fully alive so he didn't need to find a way to stimulate his mind his heart or whatever in some other ways mm. that's that's kind of his mental model mm. Yes, interesting. You know, when, when people start to get sick um, and, and, and diseased, the reproductive function starts to go down mm -hmm. because the body is like, I need to focus my energy on healing. And the last thing it needs to do is, is start thinking about sex, right? So I think sexual health, um, libido, stamina is a, is a great indicator of overall health. Mm. If, if you have a strong libido, then that means there are a lot of other things that are working. Mm. And like uh, Paul, mm. uh, be on fire, be, be alive about life. Everything else will flow. You're going to have a better immune system, better libido. So it's really aligning all of these different blocks, as you said earlier. And, and it's just diff all these different things, your mind, your body, your heart, spirit. Nourish all of those. Find the balance. Don't push too hard that then you break down and you're not recovering. And I really think it's that simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Mm. In other words, just want to make sure that I hear it correctly. Your libido is a leading indicator to your health, your well-being as a man. Yes, I would say so. Yeah. One of them. It's one not the them. only, but it is a strong one. Yeah, It is definitely a strong one. Mm. Thanks for that. Um, okay, so now that we're on that topic, <clears throat> what other uh, ways do you, Daniel, use as a way to ground yourself as a man so you operate from 
a healthy expression of what it means to be a man? One, the first thing that comes to mind is being with men in my life. By being around other men, I think it's important. Um, making time, I have time that is away from my family, just with the men. Another way is to literally ground, have my feet, bare feet, touching the earth, mm. and do Tai Chi, mm. um, or a standing or seated meditation. Uh, physical activity and competition is a great way for me to get grounded, get me out of my head. And creating something, finishing a project, you know, creating something and completing it gives me satisfaction, makes me feel grounded, like I was pr productive and I contributed something. So uh, some form of contribution. Mm. Mm. How do you select your your circle and men in your life. Why are your men your men? Typically, I look for um, ego to be very much not in the picture. And I know we all can have our egos engaged, but men who aren't just driven by their ego. Um, ego is in let me show you who's boss, how smart I am kind of ego. Like a narcissism kind of way? Yes, mm -hmm. partly. Um, men who are willing to uh, learn and grow. Mm -hmm. Men who are flexible and like to have fun. So open-minded, fun, flexible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anything else? And CK approves. <laughs> <laughs> CK approves. Yeah. All right. That's beautiful. Um, so I wanted to wrap this up, right? So I, and I want to make sure that people who are listening walk away. And you gave so many like actionable tips. But if there's only one thing that they can take on when they're inspired by your narrative, by your story, by your way of being, what would be the one thing that they can take on tonight or tomorrow? Oh, this weekend. Try something new. Um, part of what we did during this podcast was some medicine that is disruptive medicine. And in order to grow, we have to get uncomfortable. So try something new that you've been wanting to do for some time. And it's going to challenge you. And you're going to be alive. And, and there's a reason why you want to do this thing that you've been wanting to do in your case is Tai Chi just take action on that new thing and it, it may be you want to write a book or you want to start you know whatever it is you want to start take action on that and that's going to bring life to you and when we're more alive you're going to draw in the other things we've been talking about throughout this podcast to support that new venture mm -hmm. beautiful and get a good restful night's sleep Okay, that's yeah, that's a big part. Thing. We actually didn't talk about rest is a big part. Rest and recovery. Mm. So yeah. say more about that. Like, okay, so I'm, I'm bored, right? I want to be more restful. I want to recover better. What are some of the tactical things I can take on to rest better? I make sure that my default is eight hours of sleep every night, unless there's some special event where it requires little sleep, but then I'm caught up, and then I'll catch up on the other side. Uh, if you have trouble sleeping... Some of the things that I've found is 
Turn off all technology at least 30 minutes before you get to bed. Have a pen and paper nearby so you can get the ideas out of your head if that's what's keeping you up. And um, set the intention. Create a ritual around preparing for bed and make it a priority. You need to get your sleep. Otherwise, you're going to be burning the candle on both ends and you're not going to... Again, we're talking about the leaks of energy. This is a time we get to rejuvenate and and um, really restore our energies when we sleep. Mm. Why, why eight hours? Why that specific number? I know that's why everyone says, but from your perspective, why eight? Then to clarify, I would say around eight hours. A lot of research shows eight hours is the sweet spot, and I've found it personally the, um, a good amount for me. More than eight, I feel sluggish. Less than that, I feel like I could use more. So some people it might be um, seven and a half hours. You know, some might be eight and a half, but around eight, six or greater, mm. six to eight, I would say is good. And and I know this because w- w- there's times in my life, like when I was in graduate school, I was in two graduate programs, and everyone's like, "How do you sleep? How do you study?" I made sure that I would get my eight hours, and if I wanted to study more, I wouldn't. If I didn't know it by by then, by by the time it was time for bed, I wasn't going to know it with another hour or two of studying. Mm. And so I had an advantage by taking a test the next day by being fresh mm. than trying to squeeze in one more uh, point on a test, one more answer on a test. Mm. So I got a question. I'm I'm actually really curious about the eight hours thing because. Honestly, I can't stay sleep for eight hours. My body automatically wakes up after six. Okay, um, one more hack, and this might speak to it. I don't know. Go to bed before 11 p.m. Mm. Um, In traditional Chinese medicine, we have energy flow from one organ system to the next in two-hour periods. Mm. And um, before 11 is when, uh, just before the energy shifts to the next organ system, that'll help you sleep. It'll be hard to get really good sleep. And there's just rhythms, right? The circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. According to traditional Chinese medicine, if you can get to sleep before 11, you're going to be in sync with the um, other rhythms uh, on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's talk more about um, not being able to sleep, and maybe I can address it, but I w- that is one of the hacks that's very important. Because mm-hmm. you can try to go to bed at 12 o'clock and then wake up at 8 in the morning, but it won't be the same kind of sleep as if you went to bed at 9, 10, or... Do you use any technology as a way to help you monitor your own health, like aura ring or those wearable technologies as a way to meditate or whatever it may be? I have here and there. I just work on refining my own um, physical um, objective measures. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, traditional Chinese medicine, they were very observant. So there's certain things. I look at my tongue. You can tell a lot about what's going on inside the body by just looking at your tongue, Mm -hmm. complexion, how are the bowel movements, um, things like that. So that's how I tell. Um, I do check my heart rate when I exercise, but currently not too much. monitor? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But things to help sleep, there's something called grounding mats or grounding sheets. I found those to be helpful. Hmm. Um, I haven't used one in a while because ours broke for a reason (laughs) I'm not going to get into right now. But um, yeah. All right. Mr. Hoover, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I really want to acknowledge you. I'm acknowledging you for everything that you share, for just bringing all this actual, I mean, you're a doctor, uh, bringing all this new information to our audience. You know, how to maintain one's own 
um, spinal fitness, muscular fitness, you know, and then cascades accordingly. And it's been really fun. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. All right. It's a pleasure. Cool.